Hey, welcome to Sunday School. I'm glad you're here. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. You're listening to the Mills Sunday School Podcast. We are the College and 20-somethings ministry of New Life Church. Awesome. Well, we discussed the finer intricacies of breakfast cereal. Go ahead and make your way back to your table. If you don't have a table, just sit down at one. I'm pretty sure people won't bite or tell you to go away. Well, like I said, my name is Aaron Higgins. I'm one of the leaders here at Sunday School. I've been around a little while, um, and actually this is going to be one of my last Sundays at Sunday School. Oh, I'm, I'm moving away. Uh, if you want to hear the full story, feel free to stop by and talk. Uh, but this Sunday, uh, Joe is in Duluth, and so we will be having a, a guest speaker continue our series on uh, God's will. But the, first, a few announcements. First off, if this is your very first time to the Mill Sunday School, welcome. Uh, we usually have you come up here and confess your deepest, darkest sin, uh, but we don't have time for that this Sunday. Uh, so instead, in lieu of that, in the middle of your table, there is a little card. You can fill it out, and when you leave, hit the table at the uh, back of the auditorium there in the foyer, and we'll give you a gift in exchange for your card, and uh, no deepest, darkest sins. Also, uh, next week, everyone say next week. No Sunday school. What? Oh, why not? Well, it is the 5th of July, also known as the day after the 4th of July. And uh, in respect to you and the families and our leaders, uh, we are going to take next Sunday off. So go enjoy fireworks, eat more hot dogs and hamburgers than is humanly possible, and uh, just celebrate uh, with your friends and family. Also, coming up here in a couple of months, August 8th through 9th, uh, we are doing a camping trip. Um, woohoo! Yeah, camping. Uh, for the first uh, 20 registrants, uh, it is 1995. Uh, after 20 registrants, it'll go up five dollars to 24.95. Uh, we'll be going up to the crags, uh, and I I think that lots of fun campfires, assuming there's no fire ban, and uh, great fellowship and time. And let me introduce our guest speaker. Uh, this month, our topic is the will of God. Uh, we've been going through week by week, talking about the, the, the big, grandiose will of God, and then the specific will of God. Uh, Dan Perkins, uh, who is a friend of uh, Sunday School, has spoken uh, three times now? Yeah, three times. Uh, he's a pastor of DLA and uh, a good friend of mine. Everyone, welcome Dan Perkins. Good morning, everyone. Woohoo! Yes. How y'all doing this morning? Oh, such a lively bunch. Good. Well, hey, it is uh, super fun to be here with you guys. Uh, I love the Mill Sunday School. Love getting to come and hang out with you on a Sunday morning. And uh, love this topic of talking about the will of God and, and diving into his purposes and his will. Uh, a couple things really fast. Uh, as Aaron said, so I, I have the privilege of being on staff here at New Life and uh, running our Desperation Conference, uh, which is in like 10 days, slightly terrifying, but uh, I wanted to really just extend an invitation to all of you. 
Let me tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, I am horrible at, well, let, let me just go back. My first job out of high school was uh, I worked at 24-Hour Fitness. Now, I know you'd look at me and think, oh, you must have been a trainer. No, I was not. Uh, I worked at the front desk and checked people in and, uh, and, and sold them their supplements and their sports bras. Uh, that's what I did. And uh, I, I quickly learned that I, uh, as far as selling things goes, uh, I'm not the best. I don't care to sell people things they don't want to do. But if someone wants something... Man, will I sell it to you. That's kind of how it works. And so uh, I, I, I am not good at convincing people to do things they don't want to do. Uh, so let me tell you this. My invitation to you to come be a part of desperation is not because I want to somehow convince you that you should. Uh, I, we've been doing desperation now for 14 years, uh, and I have been to every one of them. And so if you think desperation is for... Uh, just, you know, junior high or high school people, it's not. Uh, it, every sermon that I have ever sat through at Desperation has radically impacted and been applicable to my life. Uh, Desperation, we, it's basically this is a moment where we want to gather with uh, young people from across the country. Uh, but I say young people, but trust me, there's not just young people there. Uh, we got the, the whole gamut of uh, from, from junior high to 60-year-olds and uh, the 60-year-olds that keep being the youth leaders so that they can keep coming. Um, and uh, But I just want to invite you guys. This is a time where we want to press into seeking the Lord. We want to experience his presence, worship him because he's worthy, uh, be encouraged, be challenged. We have some incredible leaders that are coming to share with us this year. Uh, so it's July 8 through 10. Uh, I think the New Life uh, discount is it's 55 bucks. Uh, which is essentially breaks down to like $5 a session uh, because we cram so many sessions into two and a half days. Um, so it's a Wednesday through Friday. I want to invite you. I, I believe that these three days, uh, I'll, I'll just say for myself that even prior to working with Desperation, uh, it was a, a conference similar to Desperation that radically changed my life and impacted my trajectory and uh, my relationship with the Lord. I believe that there are these special moments where we can connect with him. And there's something about rallying with a couple, a few thousand other people to worship the Lord and to uh, encounter him and to just say, you know, here we are, have your way, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. And uh, and so I want to invite you, this is something that we do, this is our home church, this is a new life, uh, but we invite young people from across the country. It is targeted at the, I would say the 15 to 25 range would be our target audience. Uh, but like I said, we have, uh, we have all ages that come. And so anyway, I specifically want to invite you guys to come be a part of Desperation. It's in like 10 days. Uh, it's three days of just going hard. It, uh, it, you uh, will be tired, I'm sure, uh, and need some coffee and Red Bull, uh, but it is so worth it. Uh, specifically, if you put the Red Bull in the coffee, I've heard that it helps. So, uh, And so I also have the, the, the joy and privilege and fun of, of uh, working with our Desperation Leadership Academy students we have full-time and part-time programs there. Uh, we spend all of our time in this building praying, seeking the Lord. Uh, passion, intercession, consecration, and mission. Those are the core values uh, that we want to live by. And so this idea of being hungry for God, of being people of prayer, of, of uh, living set apart, and then being on mission for Jesus. And so really this morning, as we're talking about uh, 
the will of God and, and, and his will for us. It really is that last one that, that we talk about a lot of mission or, or uh, God, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you have for me? What is your will for my life? And so let's go ahead and jump in. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. I thank you for being here. Jesus, I ask that you would speak so clearly to us this morning. I pray that you would open the scriptures to us, that our hearts would be moved within us as you speak to us. We say you have full rule and reign in this place. So come, let your kingdom come, your will be done. In Jesus' name, Romans 12, verse 2. says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I know so many of us for uh, so much of our life, the question that we have is like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Or what's your plan for me? What's your purpose? What's, what's your will for me? And so even as you guys have been talking about the, the will of God, you have the meta narrative and then you have what's my part in the story. And, 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 and so often, you know, we love to quote the, the scripture that says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. But we're like, God, would you tell me those plans? It's great that you know that, that you got the plans, but would you tell me them? I wouldn't know what the plans are. I, I don't know what what, how things are going, and I don't know where, what I'm supposed to be doing, and, and I look at many of you, and the, and the age that you are, the, where you're at, it can be, it, it's one of those times where you're like, I'm supposed to be figuring this out, and, and shouldn't I be knowing, like, God, what's my specific calling? What is your will? What do you want for me? And, and, and really, I think we, we uh, even from a young age, we really embed that into people, right? I mean, what's the first question you ask little kids when you don't know what else to say is, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? Like, because you have those awkward conversations with, like, little kids. And you're like, hi, what's your name? How old are you? What other conversation could I possibly have? What do you want to be when you grow up, right? And then we all have our answers. And I remember being a kid, and uh, I... I uh, had this, uh, this grandiose dream of uh, one day playing in the National Basketball Association. And I just felt like it was a realistic dream, right? Because, listen, we're, we're, we're able to do whatever we want. That's what we're told, right? Whatever you want to do, just what do you dream, and then you can go do it. And so I wanted to be in the NBA, and uh, I thought it was a realistic dream. This past week was the NBA draft, and I was not drafted. Uh, I don't know why. And I remember I was probably like 12 years old and had just been playing basketball with my friends in our training facility driveway. Uh, and, uh, and my mom had picked us up and, and we were driving and I was just talking about going to the NBA one day and, and, uh, how that was my dream. And my mom very kindly just wanted to bring me back to earth a little bit. And she said, you know, Dan, not very many people make the NBA. And I was like, mother, how dare you tell me what I cannot do? What are you doing? You're my mom. You're supposed to tell me I can do whatever I want and that I got all of it in me. And if I would just dream about it and work hard, that everything is in. And she was like, yeah, it's not going to happen. And I was like, Bob, my friends are in the car. Why are you embarrassing me in this moment? I, guys, I really think, I, I don't fully, I think like tears came to my I was like, Bob, come on. Right, but we have these like, I, I, even from that day, I wanted to know what I was supposed to do. And uh, clearly I was uh, wrong about my future calling, uh, mostly because of my physical deficiencies uh, and lack of skill and height and jump shot and speed. Anyway, uh, and so, uh, 
But, but this thing that, this question, this thing that nags at us so often is this idea of what am I supposed to be doing? Which is really, God, what is your will? And, and here's the thing. If you it's really nice, like, if we've said yes to Jesus, then we are asking that question. We believe we're part of a bigger story. God, what is it that you have for me? But it can oftentimes be hard when we, we feel like we're not walking in that right now. And as I look, I, I think most of you, certainly not all of you, but most of you uh, are probably somewhere in your 20s. Uh, and, and many of you probably are, are looking at your life thinking, man, this is already a little bit different than I thought it was going to be. This is already not quite, man, when I had the dream, you know, or when I had an idea or when I felt God called me to something or God, what are you calling me to? And, and, and I thought I would know by now and it doesn't quite line up with what's going on right now. And, and so, God, what is it that you want for me? And, I, and, and I'm not talking just like job, though I think jobs are a big deal. And, and certainly that's a big part of our story. But, but specifically we're saying, okay, God, what do you want me to do with my life? And where am I going with my life? And, and here's the thing. I, I think, and, and this isn't what I'm talking about today, but I do think this idea of calling or... Uh, destiny or even walking in the will of God, oftentimes, uh, I think sometimes we can kind of begin to idolize it and we can begin to look at the calling or the, the destiny rather than the caller. Uh, and, and we begin to feel our identity wrapped up in what we're supposed to do rather than who we're supposed to be. Um, and so I, I do think that that is a little bit, I, like I said, I, I remember you know, being younger and, and, uh, I had this, this thing where my leaders in my, in my youth group and my student ministry that it so well-intentioned would so often pray or speak over my friends and I. And, and, and so often it was this like grandiose thing of how great you're going to be for the kingdom and how, what all the things you're going to do for the kingdom of God. And, 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 uh, whether it was to worship leaders or to preachers or to, uh, being in business, but whatever, but it was always like, you're going to do these awesome, huge, great things for the kingdom. And, and I think that they were, like I said, it was well-intentioned and, and they had good hearts in it. But the problem is, is that, we didn't hear the for the kingdom part. We thought that was just kind of a tag on to how to Jesus eyes our success. How to sprinkle a little Jesus dust on our success. And that I can somehow be a Christian and successful and, and I'll do it for God. And that way I can like fulfill my American dream and call it Christian and aren't things so great. But the problem is that Jesus doesn't call us to the American dream. He calls us to take up our cross and follow him. And so ultimately, uh, if we want to talk about the will of God, what we're supposed to be doing, it's pretty easy. Die to yourself, take up your cross and follow me. That's kind of what Jesus tells us to do. And so, so, so often we want to like, but God, I want to, I, I, I want to do all these great things for the kingdom, or I want to, I want to, you know, reach these, un, these, these lost nations, or I want to, I want to disciple this many people. And, and that's, I think it's all well and good and, and good intention, but we need to make sure that we don't get caught up in thinking that the, the doing is more important than being a follower, of being someone who is obedient, of being someone who knows him. Of being someone who is following him. Our generation is uh, the millennials, right? And so uh, 
it's kind of interesting there right now the, the when interviewed of what is the most important thing what is what is the uh the thing that you want more than anything uh there's a Pew survey recently that said that this generation is mostly about being rich and famous Rich and famous. That's our goal. We want to be rich and famous. So if our, if, if our grandparents wanted to, to really work hard uh, in order to provide, and our parents maybe wanted to work hard in order to be successful, many times, many of us, many of us in this room, uh, and many of us uh, in our generation, we want to simply be successful, rich, and known and famous. And the truth is, we don't even really want to work that hard to get there. We just want to kind of show up and bring out our, our iPhone and, you know, make a sweet little Snapchat story and be like, woo, everybody likes me now, you know, and, and we just want to be us and I'm just going to be me and somehow that's going to be successful. And, and we have this dream of, and, and I think, we, like I said, sometimes maybe in the Christian world, we've, we've tried to like Christianize that a little bit by, by tagging on, I want to be a successful businessman so that I can fund missions. Maybe. <laughs> I've heard so many great dear friends want to be successful businessmen so that they can fund missions. And then they become successful and guess what? Their money gets a grip and a hold of them. And, oh, you know, maybe I'll give. I just got to make some more before I start giving. And that's not to belittle. I'm not saying that you can't be successful and give. I'm not saying that you can't, that that's not what you're called to do. I'm just saying we need to over and over and over again check our motives and our heart and say, God, am I aligned with what you're calling me to do? Am I submitted to you? Do I mostly care about worldly success or do I mostly care about following you? And that that is the thing that if we will say yes to him day in and day out, it will look different than the way the world lives. But if we want to live in the will of God, where we are operating in what he has for us, right? The fact that he has plans for us, beautiful. But it's that we seek him, right? It's the Romans 12, that we don't conform to the pattern of this world, but by the renewing of our minds, we are transformed so that we can know his good, perfect, and pleasing will. It's this, it's this, we gotta step back from like the, the, the way of the world. We gotta step back from the American dream and say, okay, Jesus, what is your dream? What is it that you have for me? So I don't think that having dreams is wrong. I don't think that having, uh, having hopes and futures and goal, that's not wrong. But we gotta check our motives and we gotta say, at the core of it, I wanna be one that is, following you and being obedient to you. That's my calling in life. So I think that, that one of uh, the important stories that we have in scripture for, really, I, I would say for where you're at in life is uh, this story that we know so well. Uh, and it's of this guy, Joseph, right? Everybody know Joseph, Genesis. Uh, I'm going to kind of just kind of speed through the story because I don't want to read six chapters of the Bible, if that's okay with you. Do you want to, we can just read. We can just read. That's fine. No. Uh, and uh, Joseph, in, in, you guys know Joseph, right? So here he is. He's, he's got like 12 older brothers and he's hanging out and uh, he's his dad's favorite, which some of us know about. And, you know, uh, and so he's got like this sweet coat with like lots of sparkles on it. It's all bedazzled and colorful. And, uh, and so he's like rolling around and his brothers don't like him, right? We know this. And, and Joseph comes to his brothers and, and, and he says, fellas, guess what? Last night I had a dream. 
And they're like, really? That's great. And he's like, yeah. And in the dream, you all worked for me. And they're like, wait a minute. Hold up. Mm, I don't know. You re- No. Like you ate some weird pizza last night, Joseph. That, that's not like, that's not a God dream. He's like, I think it's a God dream. I think that God is going to have you all work for me one day. And they're like, come on, little punk. And he, you know, if you're an older sibling, you're, you, whatever, you know, I'm the youngest, so, you know, whatever. <laughs> and so I, I probably had those dreams. Oh, David, guess what? No. And, uh, and so then, then he's hanging out and he's like, okay, whatever, you know, then he comes the next day and he's like, well, I don't know if it's the next day, but pretty soon. And he's like, hey, guess what, fellas? I had another dream. You guys are all going to bow down to me. And, and you're all going to, like, come and, and serve me. And, and dad, you too. And now his dad's like, whoa. There's one thing when you're talking about your bros. But I am your father. And he's like, you should check yourself. And Joseph's like, no, this is just the dreams that God gave me. And I don't think, I, I, we paint Joseph like he's like this arrogant guy. But I don't think he was. I think he was a young guy that had a dream. I think, I think God gave him dreams. And he had, he had this excitement and this, this, this like, okay, like God's given me a dream. I think that's probably where many of you might be. God's given you a dream. And, and you don't know how it's going to play out. And you don't even necessarily know what it is. And I'm not specifically talking about a dream in the night when you're asleep. But, but there's, God's planted something within you that you want to do, that you feel called to do, and, and you don't know how it's going to come about. And, and sometimes we, we, in our uh, youthful zeal, kind of come up and just start telling everybody how it's going to be. And uh, maybe we should learn to just, you know, kind of close our mouth and let it be. But whatever. Like, Joseph, I don't think he had bad intentions. I think he just wanted to share his dream. But it ticked his brothers off, right? And so if we, if we fast forward to the end of the story, spoiler alert, uh, we got Joseph and we see the fruition of the dream. We see that, that it actually happened, right? But isn't that boring? Like if we just say, Joseph had a dream and then Joseph saw the dream fulfilled. That's not a good story. That's not, that's like, okay, great. But there's this whole middle part that's really important. See, Joseph had a dream. God gave him a dream of what he was going to do and who he was going to be. And then he saw the fulfillment as he walked in his destiny, as he, as he did what God had for him. But there's this whole middle part that I, I would call the delay. This delay season. And, and so here's Joseph and he has this dream. And he's like, fellas, you're like the stars and the moon. You're going to be circling around me. You're going to be bowing down to me one day. It's going to be awesome. And they're like, I hate you. So then they go off to work and Joseph doesn't. I'm sure that doesn't please them either. They're like, why is Joe staying back not working? You know, like all little brothers, you know, just playing video games back home. And they're working. And so then Joseph's dad sends him out to go take him some food. And, and they see him and, and they're like, oh, here comes Joseph the dreamer. Here he comes. And, and they're like, what should we do? Ah, I got an idea. Let's kill him. That's an extreme choice. Like, I know, like, there's, like, 11, 12 of them. There's a bunch of them. Mob mentality and everything. But, like, come on. Like, I mean, he had some dreams. So what? Like, you're going to murder him? But that's where they were going. He had one brother that was like, hey, I don't know this whole killing him thing. It's like, ah, it's kind of a big deal. Let's just throw him in a pit. You know, we'll just throw him down there. And uh, and this this next season of Joseph's life, it's kind of, he just started getting stuck. And And many of us... Maybe in your, in your 20s, you feel like you are just on the fast track to success. But I think many of us probably feel like, wow, sometimes I feel stuck. 
Sometimes I feel like I thought this was going to be faster. I thought this was going to look different. I thought I was going to be more successful by now. And, and so first he gets stuck in this pit, right? Thanks to Reuben. He's not dead. That's nice. Uh, but he's in a pit and he can't get out. So like, I, I just have this picture. Like, I can't imagine them gently laying him down in the pit because they wanted to kill him like five minutes ago. So I just picture him. He's just like, all of a sudden he's just like thrown in the pit. He's like broken leg or something. He's like laying there and he's like, fellas, bros, you know, help me. And, and they leave and, and then they're like, Hey, we got an idea. We got an idea. What if we don't kill him? Ooh, keep talking. What if we make money off of him? Ooh, I like where your head's at. How can we make money off of abandoning our brother? Let's sell him into slavery. I never thought of that. Genius. If we killed him, we would be rid of him, but we would be poor still. But if we sell him, he's gone and we get some money. We're so excited about this. So they sell him, right? I mean, he's done nothing but had a dream. He's done nothing but had a dream that God gave him. And he finds himself enslaved. And, and, and as he's walking and, 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 and he's working now, or he's, he's a slave, and, uh, and, and then he gets to be sold again, and now he's stuck in, in this guy Potiphar's house, and, and he's a slave in Potiphar's house, but, but he's really diligent in what he does. He's really excellent in what he does. He works really hard at what he does. And before you know it, he is elevated to like the head servant. Now, I don't know how big of a deal that is, but, but it's something. And, 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 and he's given responsibility over the whole house. Now, he could have just sat back and been like, God, my brothers are supposed to be bowing down to me. God, you gave me a dream of greatness. And here I am, a servant. I missed it. It's not what you had for me. This is not your plan for me. So I guess I'm just going to be relegated to being a servant and a slave my whole life. And, and as a servant, I'm not that motivated to do that well. So I'm just going to sit back and do nothing. That's not what he did. He was excellent. He worked hard. He was elevated to the head of the whole house. He had, he had charge over everything in Potiphar's house. Except Potiphar's wife. That's probably wisdom. So Potiphar's wife comes to him and she's like, Joe, you're a good looking dude. I'm an immoral woman. <laughs> and she's like... What are you thinking? And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I have been put in charge. I, got, I, I know I'm a servant, but as far as servants' lives go, I got it pretty good. I work hard. I'm, you know, your, your husband trusts me, and he's giving me charge over everything, but, but you know, can't touch this. You know, like, that, that's not, you know. And so, and so she's, I don't know why I pulled, like, a 90s hip-hop reference right there, but whatever. You know, and, and so, uh, so, so she's like, so then she she's, gets pretty aggressive here, right? And he's stuck in this awkward situation where this cougar is hitting on him. And he's like, ah. And so she like grabs him. And dude runs away and leaves her coat in, in like she like holds his, and he like, now I don't know, hopefully he was wearing more because that's awkward running through the, anyway. But, but, and, 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 and you know, like earlier he had this coat, many colors, his brothers like stole that, dipped it in blood. Like guy has wardrobe problems. But, uh, but so he, and so, so he runs away and she's embarrassed, right? And so she's like, mm, well, how can I spin this? Well, I'm going to say that Joseph was actually hitting on me. 
And so she goes to her husband and she tells everybody, hey, he wanted to sleep with me. He was hitting on me. And Potiphar gets ticked, right? Understandably. And so he's like, hey, Joseph, you were my servant. You were my slave. But now I'm going to throw you in prison. So Joseph goes to prison. And here now he's stuck in prison. Guys, this is not what God had for him, surely. Right? Like, I mean, when God gave him the dream as a young boy, Surely he didn't have for him to be thrown in a pit, sold into slavery, thrown into prison. If I wanted to be a, a, good, a good preacher, I would do the pit, Potiphar's house, and prison. Because they all start with Pete, but I'm not. And he's got to be like, God, I'm done. I thought you wanted to use me. I thought you had plans for me. I thought you had a will for me. I thought greater the plans that God has for me and, 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 and I can trust you. But, but this cannot be it. So I'm going to sit in this cell and rot my life away. Joseph had every right to think that way. But he didn't. And he said, here I am stuck in prison and I'm going to be the most excellent prisoner possible. I don't even know what that means. But somehow there he was again in prison. And here's the key. He didn't get offended at God. He didn't start blaming God for his life not looking like he once thought it would. And he decides, I'm going to be excellent in prison. And again, what happens? He's promoted and he's given authority over all the prisoners. And so he's like, sweet, I I get promoted again and and then we know the story. These two guys come in and, and uh, they have some dreams and they don't know what they mean. And so Joseph's like, oh, well, hey, I got some history with some dreams. Uh, let me tell you. And so he tells the first one, he's like, well, you're going to be here for three days and then you're going to get your job back. And he's like, sweet. And the other guy is like, dude, that's a good dream. What's my dream? And Joseph's like, oh, great. You're going to be here three days and then you're going to get your head cut off. And dude's like, oh, can I get another dream? You know? And the, both those things happen. And so the guy that gets his job back is like, hey, I'm not going to forget you. I'm going to tell Pharaoh about you. And your name, you're going to go from being stuck in a pit to your name being known to, by Pharaoh. And so he probably gets this little bit of hope. And he's like, ooh, maybe this is the way. And then guess what? Two years he's forgotten. And he's stuck in prison. And he's like, God, this, what's your, what are you doing Why am I not fulfilling the dreams that you gave me? Why am I not doing what you've called me to do? Stuck in prison. And it wasn't for two more years before Pharaoh had a dream. And and the guy's like, oh, (laughs) I know this dude. And he pulls Joseph in and Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream. And guess what? Here he is again, put in charge of now all of Egypt and, and, and for the seven years of drought so that they could store up and be ready for the seven year or for the seven years of, of, of plenty so that they could be ready for the seven years of drought. And, but then that's seven more years that are going by and, and he's just like, all right, I don't know what's going to happen. And then we know here at the end, right? Is that in this, in the drought, his dad sends his brothers and they show up and They're like, hey, we need some food. And Joseph recognizes them. And it's just such a beautiful story when Joseph sees them. Because in this moment of, like, when they they actually kneel before him, 
I can only imagine what's going on in his mind as he's like, yes, this is it. I have finally met the moment that God had for me. But you know, he didn't look at his brothers and rub it in their face. Well, he, <laughs> he did a little bit. He didn't mock them. He wasn't angry at them. He had tears in his eyes. He had love for his brothers. He put them through a little bit as a good brother would. And you know what they did? Like when he was making them go through a little bit of stuff, they were like, oh, this is because what we did for jo- uh, to Joseph. Can you imagine like 20, 30 years of guilt that every time something bad happened to them, that, that was their first response. I mean, every time something bad, they must have been like, this is because of what we did to Joseph. Girl broke up with me. Well, it's because what you did to Joseph. You, you know? Man, the sheep ran away. Well, it's because what you did to Joseph. These guys have just been living with this guilt. Joseph sees them and he has to go away because tears come to his eyes. He loves his brothers and he's, he's recognizing that he's actually fulfilling God's purpose. He's actually walking in God's will for him. But guess what? The what he thought it was going to be when he was 17 years old. That's not what it looked like at all. And he had to go through this long journey, this delay, where he went through season after season after season, and he didn't recognize that all along the way, he was walking in the will of God. All along the way, this was the story that God was telling. He didn't realize it, because he thought it was this specific thing. And God said, no, I have much bigger dreams than just your brothers kneeling down to you. I have dreams to save an entire nation. I have dreams to elevate you to be a leader of a nation. And it's not actually for your elevation. I didn't give you that dream, like, so that you would, so that you would, like, have, have an excitement of, like, oh, one day my brother's gonna work for me. No, no, no. I gave you that dream to give you hope. Hope. When the Lord gives you a dream, When the Lord speaks to you, vision and direction, hold on to it. I don't know if this is true, but I've been in, um, I've been learning maybe in my own personal life that sometimes like the silence of God is comforting. That seems strange, doesn't it? Here's what I mean by that. The more the Lord has to pre-tell me the plan I've just, I've learned, and this may not be true for everybody, but I've learned the, the harder the journey actually might be. But he gives us that hope to hold on to. And so some of us, we so want to say, God, I want to know what your dreams are. God, I want to know what your will is. God, I want to know. And I'm just telling you, when he gives it to you, write it down, hold on to it. Because there's going to be a whole delay. There's going to be a whole journey. There's going to be a whole story that he tells. And it's probably not going to look the way that you thought it was going to. And there's going to be peaks and valleys. There's going to be good days and bad days. There's going to be days where it seems like it makes sense. And there's going to be days where it makes no sense at all. But you hold on to what he has called you to. You hold on to who you know he has called you. You hold on to, God, I know this is what you've invited me into. And I trust you as you tell the story. So friends, I I don't want to, I'm not here this morning to bash the idea of having a dream or, or of seeking to know God's will or purpose. It's just that that can't become the thing that we worship. 
That can't become the end goal. If Joseph had just gone his whole life trying to work for his brothers to someday work for him, to someday bow down to him, if that was his goal, he would have gone about it totally different. And he may never have actually walked in the destiny that the Lord had for him. But Joseph, along the way, made small decisions. He made small decisions when he was stuck in that pit he made deci- well, there's not many decisions he made in the pit. He was just stuck. But I, but I think the first decision when he's stuck in that pit and he's like, I'm left for dead. There's wolves at the top. They're going to jump in here and eat me. God, I trust you. I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to allow my heart to be offended. Then when he sold into slavery, he didn't decide to just shrink back to the mean. He said, I'm going to be excellent and I'm going to work hard. I'm going to give everything I have. And again, God, I'm going to keep pressing into you. I'm going to keep worshiping you. I'm not going to be offended at you. This doesn't look like I thought it would. This is hard. Guys, we think that like not being able to get a job that we want is difficult. Dude was sold into slavery. That a little bit more difficult than what we're going through today. Thrown into prison. He could have just been like, that's it. There's no getting out of here. But he said, no. I'm going to keep worshiping the Lord. I'm going to keep trusting him. I'm not going to allow my heart to be offended because I am not the author. I am not the perfecter, but you are. See, friends, I've just, I've been caught up recently in this idea that we serve a God who really tells good stories. Like, He's a good storyteller. He actually is the one that knows the beginning from the end and and he's the one that is telling the whole story. And so often we want to get in and mess with it because we think we know how the story should be told. But he's like, ah, would you trust me? And every good story, we don't don't like stories that we know the ending to, right? Like when you're watching a movie and you know how it's going to end, you're not like, oh, I love this. I figured it out. So good. No. You're like, uh, dumb. Right? When you're reading a book and it's so obvious what's going to happen, you don't keep reading. So we serve a God who tells good stories. And that means there's going to be a mystery involved. That means it's going to take faith. That means it's going to look different than we think. But if we will faithfully say yes to him, if we will faithfully be obedient to him, I believe that he will lead us along the way and tell his story. So I believe that the Lord wants to give you a dream. He wants to give you hope, something to hold on to, something to pursue, something that he has called you to. And, and, and really what that is, is, is that when we get that dream, when we get that, that thing that, what am I, God, what do you want to do with me? What's your will for my life? It gives us something to aim at. It gives us something as a target. But the key thing all along the way is not the dream, it's obedience. It's not that we would work our will into getting there. It's will we say yes to him? Will we let our minds be transformed and renewed in him in order to follow him and be obedient as he leads us and tells the story? Proverbs says that where there is no vision, the people perish or the people cast off restraint. And so I think that's why God gives dreams. I think that's why, and again, when I say dream, I'm not specifically talking about Joseph having the dream in the night. I'm talking about Joseph having this dream that the Lord spoke to him 
of calling and, and purpose. And it was something that he was able to hold on to, but it wasn't something that he felt he had to force. And I think that God wants to give each one of you vision and purpose and a goal. And then as we take that, that allows us to have hope. That allows us to have aim. It, it gives us purpose as what we're aiming for and targeting. But ultimately, it's unto obedience to him. Because it's probably going to look a little bit different than you thought. When I was a teenager, I grew up reading the book, uh, Fox's book of Christian Martyrs. And uh, I loved it. And I got so excited about the idea of being a martyr. And I was like, this is like my calling. I'm going to be a martyr. Woo! I had this like crisis of faith when I turned 21. And I was like, God, I'm not dead yet. I failed. I'm supposed to be dead. Okay, so at this moment today, I'm thankful that I'm not dead. But I had this idea that, that somehow martyrdom was what I was supposed to be. And man, and, and when I'm like really have lived my life to the full, and I'm so old and I'm 22 years old, surely I'll be martyred by then. And so then when I actually, I'm like, ah, Lord, where did I miss it? But the, the, the dream that God put in my heart was not actually one of martyrdom. It was one of daily dying to myself and saying, my life is not my own. I belong to you. My life belongs to you, Jesus. So it's going to look different along the way than what we necessarily think. But he gives us purpose. He gives us hope. And so I have just um, really quick, I think that as we go through this, uh, I think there's some things that will help even begin to define what you're, being, what you're called to, the, the gifts and purposes and, and uh, the skills that the Lord has given you. Um, and so I have just this handout. Is Tim in here? Tim Burge. Oh, my bro. I have a handout, but I don't have it. So I hope you have pen and pencil. Um, okay. Um, I want to just I want to just talk through uh, and and these, these are a set of questions. If you would write this down, these are things that I think can help really uh, formulate uh, who we are and what God has called us to do. And like I said, really begin to narrow down what it is that we're called to, what it is that, that, that God has set for us in order that we can then say yes to him, in order that we can then follow him. Uh, and so uh, the, the whole point of my, my story and, and to, is that this purpose, this dream, you know, the, this, the, the, the win is not that we would somehow get to know God's will. The win is that we would walk in his will. And the win is that we would be obedient to him. But I think he wants to speak his destiny over you. He, he wants to speak what he's called you to. And, and, and I think he's already began and, and, and throughout your life has uh, placed things in you to give you purpose, to give you uh, what that can look like. And so uh, there's three things now. Uh, just to be 100% honest with you, I straight stole these uh, from from uh, the book Cazone, okay? So this book is, it's called Cazone. It's about the idea of writing a life mission statement. Um, and so it's a great book. I highly recommend it. Uh, so these are questions that can help you begin to, to figure out what it is that, that God has placed in you. What are the dreams God's placed in you? What are the gifts he's placed in you? What are the things that he may be calling you to? 
And you don't have to do that, but even these questions go unto the idea of, of writing a life mission statement. Um, and so a life mission statement would be one or two sentences that say who you are and what you, who you are at your core and what you want to do. Uh, and, and so, uh, that again, that's something to give us a target and an aim. It's very fluid. It can change. It, it, it will, you know, my life mission statement probably changes year to year, but, but the core of it generally stays the same. Uh, and, and the reason to even write one of those, I'm not, obviously I'm not going to tell you, you have to write a life mission statement, but the reason to write one is because again, it helps keep us focused. Uh, it gives us a goal. When you have a goal, uh, you're going to hit it more often than when you don't. Right. And so when you have a target that you're aiming at, it gives you something you're, you're actually going to come closer to it than if you're just wandering around aimlessly. Uh, and so, so, uh, there's three categories. Well, there's, I guess there's five categories uh, with some questions. And so if you would write these down, I apologize. I, I wanted to have a, a printout for you, but maybe you can write them down. Okay, the first question to ask is what brings you joy? What are the things that absolutely just bring you bliss, that bring you joy? And so you're, here's, here's what I'm saying. We're going to write these down right now. It's going to be, have some awkward silence as you write. That's okay. Uh, and then if you desire, I would just encourage you to later in, in, in prayer and, and in just alone time that you go through and you answer some of these and, and, and really begin to think of what it is that has made you who you are. So what brings you joy? The second one is what makes you angry? It's a weird one, huh? But specifically like what makes you righteously angry? What gives you righteous indignation? What are the things that just when, when they happen in the world, it just, ugh, it bugs you. And it's not that you're angry at a person, it's that you're angry at an injustice or you're angry at that, that certain things happen. A similar one is what do you stand for? What are things that you stand for? And then the last one, this would be, this would be this category would be like, what are your core values? So uh, the last one would be, what seems to define you at your very core? Again, these are just questions for you to ask. And, and, and I, I would recommend asking the Lord and having prayerful conversation. But uh, it's, it's just kind of you figuring out like, okay, what is it that, that God, what, maybe you have called me to by the things that are in me already. Okay, the next category is like spiritual gifts. So what are the gifts the Lord's given you? Um, so here are some questions. What do you have passion to do? What do you enjoy doing? Now, I don't think that everything we enjoy doing, that necessarily that's exactly what the Lord has called us to. But I do think that he enjoys us doing what we enjoy. And I think that there's things that he has put in us that we enjoy to do that he wants to use. And so what are the things that you enjoy doing? What are things you do that seem to have a significant impact on others? I know I'm going fast. I'll try to slow down. What are things that you do that seem to have a significant impact on others? Okay, here's a fun one. What do you secretly believe you can do, but have never tried? What do you secretly believe like you actually would be really good at or, or you actually would enjoy doing, but you've never tried it?
All right, and then the last one here, under spiritual gifts, what have you always seemed to be especially gifted to do? What have you always been gifted at? The next, the next kind of uh, category, if you will, is our past experiences. And the truth is, is that the Lord uses things we've been through in life to help shape what he, how he wants to use us. And even in the story of Joseph, I believe that the skills that he learned working for Potiphar helped him when he was in prison. And the skills he learned overseeing the prison helped him when he was running a country. And so oftentimes, even the things that that have been in our past, the Lord wants to use uh, to help advance his kingdom. And so the question is, what might your past have prepared you to do that you couldn't or wouldn't do otherwise? What is something that your past maybe has prepared you to do that you couldn't or wouldn't do otherwise? And the thing that happened in the past, maybe it wasn't necessarily positive. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe there's something about that is that you experienced, but because you experienced it, there's, goes back to your core values. There's a, there's a passion in you that others wouldn't. Uh, maybe, maybe you experienced something that, that, you know, um, as a, as a kid that you don't want other kids to experience, or maybe you experienced something in, in, uh, high school or college that you're like, man, that wasn't the best, but how can I help others? Or maybe you experienced something great and you said, man, I want to help others experience this and, and get this in their life. So what, is, what have you experienced in the past that uh, has prepared you to do things you otherwise couldn't or wouldn't? What have, your past, what have your past experiences, both good and bad, shown you about yourself and your purpose in life? So what have your past experiences shown you about yourself and your purpose? Okay, this next category, this is really easy. There's not going to be much writing here, but these are just like lists. So I would just put top three, okay? So and, uh, and then so write out top three of your favorite scriptures. I mean, not right now, but if you do this later. Top three favorite scriptures. Top three dead heroes. I love me some dead heroes. Dead heroes are the best. Top three dead heroes. Top three living heroes. And then places that have meaning to you. Places that have meaning to you. And then what you're doing here is you're just, you're, you're, you're looking at these things and you're seeing where is there similarities? Where maybe there's something that actually ties these together and, and, and that really shows you what you value and Okay, so then the last one, really quick, these uh, questions are about your future. Okay, so your future. All right, so the first one. If money was no object and I could do anything I wanted for the rest of my life, what would I do? Money's no object, you can do anything for the rest of your life, what would you do? Now, there's two things that, I think there's two ways to answer this. One is if you have all the money in the world. Uh, Two, I would say there's been like studies and polls that basically like, uh, let's just call 
I think it's like the happiness level, like so income happiness level really cuts off above, like once you make, I think it's 50 or 60,000 a year. It doesn't make matter if you make 60 or 600,000 a year. The happiness level is generally the same. Uh, so I'm not, so we'll get, you know, 60,000, let's all get there. But, you know, uh, but my point is, let's say you have an income of $60,000 guaranteed the rest of your life. What are you going to do? So you're guaranteed to like, you know, that takes care of food, shelter, family. You don't have to worry about money. That's the main thing. So, so there's the question of like, you have all the money in the world. What would you do? But that's, to me, that's a little bit like, ah, uh, you know, well, everybody would be fed. I'd fix the water problem. There would be no more, you know, whatever. But I'm saying like, if money weren't an issue, if you would just, if you had income and you could do whatever you wanted to do, what would you do? Okay. What do you want those who know you best to say about you at the end of your life? What is it that you want those who know you best to say about you at the end of your life? Okay, what is the number one thing that you believe God wants to accomplish through you? What is the number one thing that God wants to accomplish through me? And then the last thing is where do you want to be spiritually, relationally, vocationally, physically, in five years, in 10 years, and in 30 years. Where is it that you want to be spiritually, relationally, vocationally, and physically? In five, ten, and thirty years. So, what's your? What do you want your spirit like? Your, your, you know, your walk with the Lord to look like. What do you want your relationships with other people? What do you want to be doing? Tim, we got the sheets. Yes, <laughs> praise God! Right after the last one, praise God! Praise God! <laughs> that was the will of God, right there. Perfect. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Thank you so much for writing all those down. Well, well done, good and faithful. Uh, on your way out, Tim's going to put those papers right there on that table. And uh, if you would like one, uh, and, and you can pick that up. And uh, well, well done, everybody. Mm-hmm, great. Okay, so let me, let me end here. I... I, I think it's really important for us to seek God's will for our life. I think that the Lord has dreams and plans for you. And I believe that he wants to speak those things and and tell you those things. Uh, Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. This, to me, is what helps me in finding out, God, what is it that you have for me? What is your will and, and, and this is what makes it to where finding the will of God is, is a daily thing. 
yes, there's the, like the big vision of what my life is going to be, but the specific to what to do today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, submit to him and he will direct your path. That's what we're called to do. That's who we're called to be. People that say, I trust in you, Lord, with all of my heart, not fragments of it, not parts of it, but all, who, all of that I am, I trust in you. I don't want to lean on my own understanding, right? That's the idea in Romans, to not, be, not to conform to the patterns of this world. I don't want to lean on my own perception. I don't want to do it my own way, but I trust in you. I don't lean on my own perception and understanding, but in everything I do, and that's the hard part, I submit to you. In everything I do, I submit to you. And I trust you will direct my path. I think that's the story of Joseph. I think Joseph was one that no matter what he was doing, wherever he went, whatever, in every station he was at, it did not look like he thought it would. But he trusted the Lord. He was faithful to be obedient to the Lord. He chose to walk in excellence and be godly, to not have offense towards God or even offense towards people. Joseph could have gotten real ticked off at his brothers. He, uh, he probably was a little ticked, but he could have gotten really offended at them. And he could have, he could have started to live as this, uh, 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 based on everything they did to him, he could have just been victimized by it and he could, have, he could have shut down. But instead he chose to not be offended. He chose to live with excellence. He chose to do everything unto the Lord. And trust God. And so even as Joe, Dr. Joe, Pastor Joe, I don't know what you call him. As he asked me to, to come and share on the, on the idea of the will of God and, and, and what God's will is for your life. I want to encourage you. I, I don't know where you're at. I don't know the stage in life or the phase in life or where you're, if you have a dream or if you're asking for a dream. My guess, though, is that many of you feel like you're kind of in some ways, if you don't feel like it's in the delay, you at least feel like, man, the future is kind of foggy. Like, I can't see it perfectly. And I want to encourage you. The will of God for your life is day-to-day obedience. It's not to just know about him, it's to know him. And to know not just what he wants you to do, to do but to know the person that he is and who he invites you into a living, walking relationship with him and that when you trust in him, he will be faithful to direct your path. And then our part is to be obedient and to say yes. This idea of following Jesus, it's not about, I'm gonna, let me be successful in life for Jesus. It's let me live for Jesus And that is success. And it may look like what the world sees as success. Or it may look like what the world would call failure. But I will not conform to the way of this world. But I will be transformed by the renewing of my mind. By looking at him and thinking on him and being obedient to him. And that is how I will be able to test and approve what his will is. Test and know what his will is. Because I'm not living the standards of the age, but for the way of the kingdom. So some of you in this room, life, I mean, you're going you're gonna, to, 
everything is going to look like, wow, what a great success. Most of us, there's going to be some, some hard days. And days where we're like, this doesn't seem like, God, how could this be your plan for me? And in those moments, he says, will you trust me? Will you say yes? If I could sum up what it means to follow Jesus in one word, it's that word, yes. That's what it is to live in the will of God, to, to follow him. It's the word yes, that we have a yes in our spirit. God, I don't know what the future holds, but I say yes to you. God, it may be better than I could ever dream, and I say yes. It may be harder than I've ever dreamed, but I say yes. Because I trust you that you're a good father. I trust you that you tell good stories. I trust you that you have my good, my best in mind. And so, I don't want to passively sit back and do nothing. But I will be faithful where I'm at today and aim towards where I believe you're calling me. So the biggest thing that I want to inject into you this morning, if possible, is hope. It's hope for wherever you're at in the journey. If you're in the dreaming phase, ask for more dreams. If you're in the dreaming phase and God is speaking, calling, God is speaking what he's put in you, keep asking and, 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 and refine that and write that even more. If you're in the phase where you're walking in your destiny, then, then, then praise God and, and bring glory to the Lord. But if you're in that little delay or long delay, then hold on to hope that he is faithful, tells good stories, and will be faithful to lead you as you're obedient to him. Okay? Sorry I went, went a little long here. Uh, it's because you did so well writing. So, Jesus, I thank you for my friends. God, I pray that you would lead each one of us, that you would guide us, that we would say yes to you all the days of our lives, that we wouldn't define what success is, but that we would look to you to define our success. And that we would say that at the end of the day, you love us and we love you. Therefore, we are successful. God, I pray that you would speak clarity and give hope and vision to those that are asking what it is, that you, what's your will for their life and where are you leading them. I pray that you would give direction. God, I pray that we would have courage to live faithfully for you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Am I on? Again, if you, uh, if you want those questions there in the back, you can pick them up on your way out. We hope you've been spiritually encouraged by listening to this podcast. More podcasts and information about the College and 20-somethings ministry at New Life Church in Colorado Springs can be found at newlifechurch.org forward slash Sunday School.